Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Mark Ketakowski, the Chief Science Officer president and co-founder of Forever Labs. Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Richard. Uh, good. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming. Um, Thank you, yeah, so tell me about uh, Forever Labs. What, what do you guys do? Yeah, so what we do is, in, in short, is we bank your stem cells in the effort to make you live healthier, longer. And um, what that is, is we, we cryopreserve your stem cells in your youthful state so you can leverage them throughout your life to uh, practice um, what we like to think of as health maintenance or, or um, you know, yeah, health maintenance medicine. Okay. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so if I bank my stem cells, what does that mean? Health maintenance medicine? Like if uh, yeah. I break so, down, so, you repair me in various ways? Or? Yeah. So here's the thing. So 17 years ago, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, kind of a stem cell biologist for the last 17 years. Um, and 17 years ago, I worked in a lab where we were the first lab to use a, a stem cell called the bone mesenchymal stem cell to treat stroke in animals. And we found that um, these cells had this really actual um, potent therapeutic potential. They, they promoted the healing of animals that suffered stroke. Um, and that work, you know, kind of other people did the work and got similar results and it kind of other people took it to other diseases. And now here we are, you know, 17 years later. And this, this mesenchymal stem cell is actually in several hundred clinical trials um, being used to treat everything from stroke to heart disease and osteoarthritis and, and, and mostly age-related disease. But mm. 
what what we kind of found, and, and I personally, you know, experienced in, in, in my research along this path, was that as you get older, and this happens in animals and humans, as you get older, the number of the cells that you have in your body decreases, and the quality of them decreases. And of stem so, cells. yeah, of the stem cells, right? And so, right. Okay. what 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 really, you know, um, is kind of our poor value proposition is that you can, you know, bank these cells young in their in in a, in a youthful state, an effective state, um, because they're going to be at their worst when you need them the most. And so um, that mm. technology, cryopreservation, you know, has been around for many decades, um, and, and you know we're quite good at it. We actually can even you know freeze embryos and then and then actually you know thaw them and have whole you know real pe- entire people um, generated from uh, frozen embryos. So the technology's been there, um, but you know, so I have to say though that the treatment of age-related diseases is, I think, extremely interesting. A good use of these cells. But what really got me out of the lab is that I think there's even an even better use where we can get even greater gains, and that's actually to use the cells um, as themselves to replace that which is lost to age. And so uh, yeah. we call that, you know, yeah, stem cell replacement or when it's like young to old, that's called, you know, heterochronic transplantation. Um, and, uh, yeah, like in 2012, I, I wrote a couple of grants to this effect and, and didn't get those funded, but a couple other, um, researchers around the world did similar work where they're doing this young to old, you know, young cells, transplanting these cells to older animals and found it improved their health and their lifespan. And so, um, but only, you know, only I, stem cells, right? Yeah. Only stem cells. And actually in this case, these mesenchymal stem cells, um, which is just one of the kind of stem cells that we bang. I guess you could say in this business, the best time to get this done is today or yesterday, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, so ideally, you know, you bank when you turn 18, you know, it's like a, you get your graduation present or something you, and you, you bank. Um, but you know, the thing is, there's this decline that starts somewhere in your early 20s that you can start to pick it up. It's a modest decline in their number and function between 20 and 40, but then it increases the the rate of the decline decreases with age. I mean, incre- increases with age, such that you know the older you get, the faster they actually are, are you know going going to uh, to pot. So really, you know, the best time is today. You know, the best time is is when you're 18, but the next best time is today. Mm. And, uh, yeah, is there is there a limit where you know you're too old that it really won't do anything for you, or or no? I mean, so that comes down to kind of like ROI, right? So my mother is 70, or she's now she's 71, but she she banked when she was 70, and um, you know, she knows that you know her 70 year old cells aren't as great as like mine that were banked when I was 40, um, but she you know said. Well, her mom lived till she was 93, and her mom, you know, her aunt lived till 105. So she's like, well, maybe in 10 or 15 years, I want to have these. And so she, you know, she decided. But we kind of, you know, once people start to get up in their later years, we say, you know, we'll just consider like, you know, the investment, the ROI, um, knowing that, you know, um, there's been a decline. But it's obviously the decline continues. There's actually, well, why there's actually, you, uh, go ahead. Can, can you culture them? Like if I, you get like a thousand stem cells from me and I'm 70. Yes. You know, can't you yeah. culture them and, and create like 10,000 of them and then re-inject them into me? And it was still yeah. a good effect? Yeah, actually. So that's a really good point. And there's something that's, I mean, so, so there's, and there's a, this is a little, a little bit more of why we wanted to start this company. Why I wanted to do this was like, so not only can we expand the cells and we can, um, for instance, like I've expanded my own MSCs, just, just some out of curiosity and, you know, have, I have more outside of me than I have inside of me just because we can expand them, you know, exponentially. Um, and we're getting very good at doing that um, without kind of burning the cells out. But at the same mm-hmm. time, so there's technologies that are, you know, coming down the pipeline, some of which we're actually working on ourselves, that you can kind of, to some degree, roll back the clock a little bit on the cells. Now, there's things that like DNA damage 
there's certain kinds of damage that are going to be very, very difficult to reverse, almost intractable. Because, but there are types of ways that the cells degrade over time that with the right cues, you can kind of get them to um, pick up the slack and get back into shape. And so when you expand them, you can possibly get them to a more useful state during that expansion. And, and those technologies are typically much easily, much more easily applied in vitro, like in a cell culture, than applied to a whole body, um, often because of like cost or targeting or dose. Those are often limiting factors, it's, you know, like safety. Um, but when you do it to cells outside the body as you grow them, you can do it at much higher fidelity, much lower cost. And so that's also part of like the interest. Not only could I take my mom's seven-year-old cells and grow them more that are 70, but um, maybe as we grow them, we can we can tweak them a little bit, rejuvenate them somewhat, and then maybe they're more like you know 60-year-old or maybe even like 55-year-old cells. Um, so she can actually like give almost like a young to old transplant. Um, not alone. Are, are certain people similar enough that you can do a stem cell transplant, or you can only have your own cells? Yeah. So there's the it's a complicated the answer is like you know a bit complicated the short answer is if you want to replace tissue you need your own cells um that's not to say that there isn't any donor you know applications with say the mesenchymal stem cell the mesenchymal stem cell is the one that it's like right now gets all the therapeutic interest um because they modulate regeneration and inflammation so those there are some trials where they're using like allogeneic other people's cells the problem is What's come to light is that those cells don't stick around very long at all. They do not elicit like a strong immune response, but your body does find them and weeds them out within a few days. Um, mm. So you can get some kind of like short-term benefit from them, but you can't get, you know, a long-term lasting benefit. You can't replace tissue. Um, there's actually been some work in, in, in uh, horses, actually a veterinary like space kind of leads all of this in a lot of ways, where they found that not only do, do these like donor cells get wiped out, but if you use them a second time, much like a you know a bee sting or something, you can start to your body you know raise its defenses against them, so it'll respond much more quickly and wipe them out much much more readily than than the previous. So I mean, you so are your no, best. Donor. There's no possible allergenic donors for this kind of cell. It's not even like no, it hasn't been found or anything. No, no. So like this is the so it's even there's a, such a thing as called like an HLA match. Um, you've probably heard the bone marrow donation. You look for a perfect match, right? Um, it's, these are these alleles in this. Um, there's a part of your DNA that contains, you know, uh, that w produces proteins that are re related to cells. And so um, when you're in a bone marrow donation situation, what they're doing is like they're taking these hemopoietic stem cells, these are ones to build your blood and immune system, and they're replacing those, yours, with the donor cells. Before you get the donors, even this, this, this quote-unquote like, perfect match, you'll wipe out your own immune system with chemotherapy. Then you take mm -hmm. in a donor, um, and then you generally are on immune suppressants to keep that donor immune system from attacking your tissues, your organs and stuff, even though it's a perfect match. It's not, it's a, not, not really perfect. So yeah, it's the short of it is like you are your own best donor and we can't like, we can't just simply go in and, you know, CRISPR out, cut out the, that part of the DNA that makes a, you know, this cell line universal because that part of the cell line, that part of the, like the DNA actually plays roles, other important roles in, in, in infection and, um, and, and actually, you know, uh, immune in, like immune function. So it's uh, it's not not very simple at all. Um, okay, I, I should have asked you earlier. What is a mesenchymal stem cell versus like a pluripotent stem cell? Or you know, what, what yeah. is it? And how is it made? And all that? So most of the stem cells in in your body and in, in the adult are 
multipotent, meaning that they can become multiple tissue types. Uh, you know, the pluripotent can become any any tissue type. Um, the mesenchymal stem cell, uh, as far as like tissue replacement, it can become bone, cartilage, um, muscle, some muscle, and um, some different connective, connective tissue. Uh, but in addition to that, and but that's not why there's that's part of only part of the reason why there's this great like therapeutic interest in them. They also um, are really powerful coordinators of their environment. So they they secrete many many soluble factors that potently affect the cells around them. And kind of the the reason why um, they're th- so therapeutically you know attractive is because through these factors that they release in the environment, they will decrease unnecessary inflammation. To promote regeneration, recruit new blood vessel blood vessel growth, and kind of accelerate the healing process. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's so, so that's what, actually uh, so yeah. How are they used in the therapy? You mentioned they're used for stroke victims, et cetera. Like, how do they work <laughs> in the various therapies that they're used for? Yeah, so it depends. So in stroke, um, when we start with animals, we you know we're like, well, we're treating stroke, so we put it directly in, directly in the brain, and that seemed to help some. But then, so what if we just put in their artery? Well, they go to the brain and do their thing, and we put them in their artery, and the animals did well. And then we said, well, what if we just do IV? And we did, and the animals did well, if not better. So we put them directly in the brain. And we started to look into this because, you know, you got to figure out what's the mechanism and can you improve upon it. And we found only a small percentage of the cells that we injected in these mice and rats was going to the brain, but they were recovering function, you know, to a great degree. And even interesting things like, even on the far side of the brain that wasn't injured, they're having increased, you know, synaptogenesis, the production of like new synapse, like it's like other, you know, compensating for function loss even more readily. And so we really started looking at this and we found that the cells, most of them are not going to the brain. Most of them are going into like the bone, the perivascular space, even like the lungs and, and the spleen. And they're having kind of a global effect on the entire animal. And, and this is what, kind of led me down this path because I, I came to the realization that what we were kind of doing was we're not, we were actually giving an injured animal stem cell augmentation um, or stem cell replacement therapy. And by doing so, we were enabling them to heal faster. And so um, there are stroke trials where they are, you know, um, injecting them directly into the brain. There's one at Stanford, actually, that's like in phase two, and they've been getting some good right. results in that. Um, but there's also a number of trials, like there's this one in, in South Korea, Samsung University, I believe, is they are giving them IV to the stroke patients. And that's a phase three trial. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it depends on the approach and, and the kind of the logic of the, of the clinician of what they're trying to, but they're often very effective just given intravenously because they'll kind of hone to where needed and then they'll start to, you know, go to work. Um, well, so in, if I, if, let's ahead. say I bank with you, and I'm 40, and five years, I come back five years from now, I'm like, hey, man, you know, can you re-inject them <laughs> back into me or part of them? Do I, do I need yeah. a medical need for me to get my own stem cells back into me, or can I just have them back? Or, you know, what happens once I bank them? Can I, are there yeah, only certain so, ways you can let me have them again? So first of all, from a business perspective, Forever Labs is, when we bank yourselves, we're doing it in a completely agnostic fashion. So we, we bank it in a clinical grade, FDA compliant biorepository, you know, they're, they're well taken care of, but what you want to use them for and when you want to use them, that's up to you. They're your cells. And you say, I want you to send them here and we'll send them there. They're your cells. Um, we are not, you know, um, banking for a specific purpose. Um, 
there, and and we're also we're not just freezing down like one chamber. We have multiple chambers, so you can pull them up more than once for different uses. Um, but to answer the question, so about you know when can you use them or how? Um, I my goal, and and we're working on this. So we're doing we are doing the work in mice where we're we're treating older mice with younger genetically matched cells to to, to kind of build the preclinical groundwork for this foundation for to take this into humans, the stem cell therapy to treat animals that don't haven't, you know, I mean, to treat people that haven't had a, um, anything except for a declining stem cell population. And so that, I mean, my goal is to make that happen, you know, within, within the next uh, two to three years is to get that underway. Um, that's, that's part of, um, you know, my role and my, my, my strategy goal with, with forever labs. Um, I think that is one of the best uses for the cells. Um, to actually just to replace the flaws. But if you have, well, say, so, you know, okay. Yeah, it seems like a protocol would be like one way to use it. And I don't know if you'd call this an abuse or not, whatever. But, you know, let's say I, I want to bank with you and every three years I say, hey, you know, I want some portion of the ones I banked and I'm going to inject them back into myself to kind of keep myself, you know, to slow my aging. Would that yeah. work? Is that allowed? Or, you know, would I have to do that? You don't, you can't know about it or something. <laughs> inside the u.s it has to be you know within within a like you know confines of a um under the clinical trial it has to be under in a clinical trial if you're doing the u.s mm-hmm. so if you're growing the cells actually and right now as it stands in the in the u.s um if you're not once the cells are frozen um or if you're growing them then it's considered to be more than a minimum manipulation and they say oh that's a that constitutes like a, something that's a biologic drug so it has to be tested they're being used in many different indications in the U.S., um, but they're all within, you know, a registered clinical trial. There are people doing them, you know, using them, expanded cells elsewhere. And there's even some U.S. companies that have, you know, um, kind of subsidiaries or collaborators elsewhere, and then they're doing this kind of stuff, um, this kind of treatments. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting space because, you know, there's there's – we're we're trying to I think there's the the FDA itself which I think trying to figure out how do you you know how do you regulate this does it need and how does and does it need to be regulated um, I'll tell you you know as like a stem cell biologist there's good ways to grow the cells and there's not so good ways to grow the cells um, and you know I think that it's important how they're grown how they're expanded is very important and, and plays a big role in in their effect um, you know it's it's one of those things that. I mean, my goal, my goal is to do it, to do this stem cell replacement within the U.S., to do it within a clinical trial. And um, because I right. think that in the, I think in the end, that's going to have the most impact on the most people. It's going to be harder on our end, but um, it's something that, um, you know, that's, that's, that's our goal is to kind of, you know, transform, transform. I mean, if, if it was allowed, what would you recommend for someone that, you know, let's say they think they're healthy and they're just getting older? You know, would you recommend like, again, it's not allowed. I don't even know if you can say the word recommend, yeah. but one I'm a possible. Scientist. So like, I'm a, I'm a scientist. So first of all, I'm not a clinical doctor. I'm, I'm a PhD and an MD. So, um, but, you know, for me, the reason why I'm doing the animal work is because I want to answer, I want to answer the question. I want to, and what we're, I can describe kind of what we're, what our intentions are in, in humans to, to better this question. Sure. So what we envision and I'm and, and working on putting this, this trial together is a one-time injection, something like a one-time injection of their, of their own cells, 
And we're going to look at markers of biomarkers of aging in their, in their blood um, and look at them before they get this injection, look at them after, and, 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 look, and consider you know, the dose and the time after and see what kind of an impact that injection has. Um, and then when we get that, then we'll do look at, you know, well, what if we do a dose escalation? Um, and then we'll we look at what? We'll do a dose escalation, right? So maybe a typical dose of these cells might be 100 million MSCs given intravenously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so we'll, you know, we'll do a typical dose. We'll do 100 million and we'll look at these biomarkers and see if they change. And if they do change, then we'll see how long does that change last? And then, you know, if once we start to determine that and we say, oh, look, you know, six months after they start to, it starts to go down or, hey, this is fairly robust for, you know, two years or something, then we can start to, you know, be, have some you know, better guidance on how often, because I also do think um, that the effect is going to depend upon the age of the person that's doing it. Um, and eventually, when, you're, when you have a lot of people banking their younger selves, the effect also can depend upon, you know, the, the differential between the age the person is and the age of this throne right. that's been there being right. So there's a lot of open questions. Um, you know, uh, I, it's, um, but it's the kind of thing that, you know, I think that it's not, these aren't, these aren't uh, the one nice thing, the one nice thing about the mesenchymal stem cell is that literally tens of thousands of people have been um, treated with, Expanded mesenchymal stem cells, their own mesenchymal stem cells, um, in in in, oh, in, in for in heart what disease circumstances and, and what happened to them? Well, for for these are generally you know, in the realm of clinical trials for heart disease, stroke, um, you know, even even MS and and osteoarthritis. There's really kidney disease, um, lung disease. There's been you know COPD. There there are literally hundreds of these trials, and in these trials, there's often dozens, if not hundreds, of patients. Um, and so the safety profile of MSCs, expanding MSCs, is, is, is pretty well characterized, and, and, it's, and it seems to be extremely safe. So that's the one, one upshot that um, we think we're not, you know, proposing something, you know, risky in, in, in doing like an autologous intravenous injection of their own, someone's own cell. That's been, that's been done, but typically done in somebody that's suffering from something other than just the decline of aging. Well, again, what can you say about the clinical trials you've seen? Like, how much improvement is there? Is it dramatic? Um, are there any contraindications? Oh, yeah. You know, what, what, like, what? I don't know if you could sum up all the clinical yeah. trials in a in a soundbite. What do you see? <laughs> in a soundbite, it's been good. So, and, and, okay. and <laughs> the reason why I can say that is because um, it's been very good. Because if you look at the amount of trials that are started every year, it, it just increases, keeps increasing. Um, in the last decade, it's just been kind of like, you know, a hockey puck graph of the amount of MSC trials going on in the world. Um, and so, and it's not, you know, they're not doing it, that interest isn't narrated because there's no results. They're actually, um, and that's actually why, right. you know, I was so motivated. I was turning 40 and I was like, I got to bank myself. Like there's almost, mm. I like to say like front labs is a little bit of a midlife crisis. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it sounds like a very smart insurance policy to do this because, over the next X number of years, there will be a lot of data coming out about it. And if you were smart enough to have done so, then you can take advantage of this and the benefits it has. And if you haven't, you know, less, less of an advantage. Yeah. I mean, we spend, we save money, right? With the idea of having financial returns over time. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense to save biology, you know, your young biology with, for, to, get, to get, you know, health returns over time. Um, my cells, like I said, they're 40, and I'm 43 now. And every year that passes, 
oh, cool. Hey. <laughs> and uh, every year that passes, like my, my 40 year old selves become that much more valuable to me because they're that much younger than I am. <laughs> it's, huh. you know, are you, are you um, not that you would, but are you allowed to self experiment and re inject them back into yourself? Or, well, I mean, I definitely intend to participate in the trial that we run as soon as I can, you know, I'll have to be blinded though. I might get placebo, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, eventually, you know, eventually I'd like to get the actual treatment. Um, that's my goal. That's my goal. I think that it's, um, you know, we take a lot of stuff to try to keep ourselves healthy or try to restore health. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that we take, um, some serious contraindications and, and some serious risks and um, treating yourself through your own biology is probably one of, probably one of the lower you know on a lower end of the risk scale in my opinion my opinion that's just my, my, not a medical like kind of statement but it's my own opinion um so yeah like I'm not I'm in time I'm going to be doing it you know um that's my intent for sure in the in the clinical studies you've seen are there any contraindications does anything go wrong to put it simply or it's just it's just varying degrees of improvement or not nothing that was you know attributed to hey we cells did this. Um, the MSE is actually, so, you know, sometimes there's been talk of stem cells inducing tumors or something, not, not with the MSCs. Um, you get, they're, they're, they're really well tolerated. Um, you know, and in every trial, there's always some people that, you know, have some suffer something, but it's always difficult to tell exactly, but it doesn't seem to be a, um, you know, Hey, this is the country indication for MSCs that you have to look out for. Um, mm. if they're safely administered, but that is this, you know, but there, there I, I like to say that, so there's better ways to grow these cells than, than they're sometimes grown. And um, sometimes, you know, they're just, these cells, before they put in people, they're just played in a flat plate and they're grown in fetal calf serum, which is kind of a serum supplement to grow them. And, and that, they grow okay in that, but that's not ideal. It's not um, the best fit. And, and actually there's been studies where cells grown, expanded, to great numbers under those conditions can start to get um, an increase in mutation. And so then, you know, you're doing damage to the cells that you want to need. So there are better ways to grow them. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something I'm, I'm very interested in, in bringing, you know, to the clinic too, is um, more appropriate um, and, and more effective ways to expand them without depleting them or damaging them in the process. Right. So make sure you don't go to a place that grows them in Mountain Dew or something terrible. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, gotcha. So what what's the process? You know, um you sure. you know, if if I want to now, can I get my mesenchymal cell stem cells banked with you and you know, how does it work and all that? Absolutely. So um we've been doing it for almost three years now. One thing that I didn't realize when we started this company was that um orthopedic surgeons and sports medicine docs and uh, physicians in that space have been harvesting bone marrow, collecting growth, and then concentrating it and infecting that concentrate into areas of injury or after surgery to promote healing. And the cells are in that concentrate. So we found when we started the company that there was this, you know, kind of infrastructure. There were physicians that were very comfortable doing this and um, doing these aspirations. And so we actually partner um, largely with a lot of orthopedic surgeons, um, and they're great ones. I mean, our, our docs are like from... Um, Duke and, and, and Stanford and Michigan and Yale. And um, so we had these orthopedic docs. You, and the process would be like, you go to our site and say, hey, I want to bank my stem cells. They'll say, where are you located? 
um, okay, I'm in LA and then we'll connect you with, you know, um, one of our positions in LA and um, you go there. It's the same day you, you schedule and you go there and you do this collection. It's a 15 minute process. It's done under a local anesthetic. You get, you know, um, and it's, and, and they, and they take the, the bone marrow from it's called the iliac crest. It's a little bump on the, your pelvis. I mean, so it's kind of like on your back, you lay in your stomach and, um, and you can, and they, they draw it out. You feel like, um, I, I, it's best described as just some kind of strange pressure as, as they draw. And it lasts a few, you know, five to 10 seconds in the, during the draw. And, um, it's, it's a weird feeling. It's not, you know, it's funny. Like we just had a, a client that described it to me recently. She said, you know, it's not, that wasn't, it wasn't pain. It was just something I never, like I never felt before and, you know, wouldn't want it to go on forever, but it was so short that it was like, fine. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, like literally I'd rather have my, I'd rather do that again than have my teeth clean. Um, and then you're, you're done. And, uh, you know, I walked across town after and had lunch with my wife. Um, and you were fine, no pain or anything yeah. or soreness. Or- yeah. And then, so your cells go to our processing center. We, we process them in, in, um, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then we send them to our biorepository, um, which is in Franklin, Massachusetts in you know, clinical grade biopository, and you get, you know, um, notification, you log on, on our site, it says, here's your cells, you know, this is when they were banked, this is how much younger they are than you, and yeah, yeah, mm. and then there's a button there, it says, request my cells, so if in the future, whenever you need them, you can click that button and tell us, you know, where, you know, we'll, we'll get touch with you right away, and, you know. Wow, and so it's very interesting. Easy. How many, how many cells do you take, approximately? We take, um, we take 60 cc's of bone marrow, and so, the amount of cells in there for MSCs, it's in the tens of thousands. It ranges between individuals and their age, but it's plenty to start cultures that can grow hundreds of millions of cells. Um, you can get, you know, a near inexhaustible supply if you 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 know manage and expand them um, conscientiously. Uh, the the as far as the volume, 60 cc's is not so much. So if you're gonna if you were giving like a bone marrow donation via that method they take more than 10 times that much. Um, mm. And so that's one thing that people often ask too. They say, hey, if I'm taking some of these stem cells, am I you know, depleting what I have? And then, no, because they, you know, we take about 3%, 4% of your total bone marrow. So about 3 or 4% of your cells need to divide once and it's uh, replaced. Um, bone marrow donations are taking maybe about half of what you got. So, and there's no... Wait, there's wait, 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 one, one second, you said ahead. you take about 3 or 4%. It, does it get replenished? I didn't quite. It hear. does. Oh, it does immediately. Re- yeah, it gets replenished within a matter of you know like a week or two. Um, oh, as okay. far as, all right, so yeah. there's no harm to you at all. Oh no, it's kind of like a blood draw. They actually the physicians kind of refer to it as an advanced blood draw because yeah, it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's blood. Yeah, they readily replace themselves. Yeah. Are there any times where you shouldn't have it done? Um, if you have a, an illness or like you know, let's say you've had cancer or something like that, or let's say you've had certain treatments done, uh, any, anything that we says always, you shouldn't do it? Well, so the aspiration is well understood by physicians. And so we always say, you know, that is up to your physician. Um, and if, you know, of course, every one of our physicians always, you know, ask for medical history and, and to find out this kind of stuff. And if there is something, you know, then um, we always say, well, talk to your physician and, and go with the recommendation. Um you know, I, it, it's typically considered to be a pretty minor, you know, um, procedure. So mm-hmm. there aren't, you know, that many things that would preclude you from being able to do it. But, 
but yeah, there may be there's a, there's a few you know um, that may. So do you have an example of any of those things? Yeah, I mean we we like for instance, um, I would love to be able to to uh, you know bank anybody whether they were HIV positive or not, but right now we just don't have the facilities to do so, so we just can't bank people right now. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Any any other major uh, contraindications where you really couldn't do it? No, not, I mean, nothing that, you know, comes to mind right away. I'm sure if you had any kind of recently active malignancy, you, you know, you, you don't want to. Um, but that's really, like I said, I'm not a doctor and we don't practice medicine. What we do is we, you know, connect um, people that want to bank with physicians that do it. And then ultimately it's up to the physician to make those medical decisions, you know, um, that's, that's their you know, domain. And can you do this locally and send the cells to you or do you have to go to like, uh, you know, your center and do it? So. We're located, we've got, um, I think now we're in 10 states. So, you know, we're nice. in New York and, yeah. So Miami and Austin, LA, San Francisco. We're, we're in a lot of places now. So um, it's getting easier and easier to find one of our docs and we're growing. Um, so, yeah, you just go on your site, our site, and you just like look at our map and we'll, we'll show you where the nearest positions are. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- when, um, when do you guess? Uh, you'll get into clinical trials and have some, um, you know, have a product where you can take the next step where you can re-inject them back into people for certain indications or any indication. I mean, I, I want, my goal is to, you know, this process takes time, whether it's, you know, even when everything goes perfectly, it, it takes time. Um, I would love to be able to, you know, start finding out what, you know, start doing this trials within a couple of years. I would love to, you know, start um, enrolling, recruiting, you know, um, patients within, you know, maybe two years, two and a half years. That's, that's my goal. Um, and it's really our aim to, you know, do it in the most um, conscientious and like um, informative way possible. So I think it's, it's not a, there's a lot of, um, I would say like, there's a lot of people sticking stem cells in people for, for anything. And, um, you know, and then and then even when they do get a benefit, um, it's unfortunately it's often anecdotal. All they get an anec- all they get out of it is an anecdote, right? And um, what we're trying to get is hard data that can move the ball forward on this method of health maintenance. And so, you know, part of part of the process is you know getting um, the approval and getting you know go and, and getting this trial set up. Um, through all, you know, through the regulatory and institutional kind of structures that you have to do. But the other is I want to be very smart about it and I want to get the most information we can out of it because um, I do believe that we're going to, we're going to, um, I, I think it's worth doing. And I do believe that there's a very good chance of success. That's why we're doing it. But at the same time, I want to get a lot of information out of it so we can, you know, take that information and then move the ball forward and really make a difference um, in, in the healthcare. That's ultimately our goal. Um, Oh, yeah, that's, so what's the my, so the short term horizon ideally is two years. What's a more yeah, realistic I mean, one, and then what's well, the I'll, one that's I'll, late? I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm 43, <laughs> and I I don't want to turn 50 and not have my cells looking back in me. So um, that's kind of my own, you know, uh, personal goal. Like I I um and so you know we'll see we'll see. Um, but we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen one way or the other. Well, that's great. Okay. Um, are there any uh, mesenchymal st- cells that can come from other spots versus bone, there are. or is bone the best? There are. Um, so the the uh, bone marrow, like so, the bone marrow has mesenchymal stem cells, um, but it also has 
uh, hemopoietic stem cells, and we bank them both. We bank all the, the cells with nuclei, all the nucleus cells that are in the bone marrow. So, and the reason why is because the mesenchymal stem cells are extremely useful, and that's the first target that we're using for this replacement therapy. We bank bone marrow because you also have hemopoietic stem cells, which build, build your blood and immune system. And we think down the line that that is a whole other population that we can rejuvenate and by donation, mm. or by transplant. However, MSCs are found in a lot of places in the body. They're found around the vasculature. Um, they're found in your spleen. They're found in your adipose, in your fat tissue. And um, it's not going to be very long before we are going to be offering, actually, the ability for people to get their mesenchymal stem cells out of um, fat tissue. So what's going on right now is um, a lot of people are doing liposuction for a lot of different reasons, whether it's, you know, um, breast reconstruction or after, you know, uh, a mastectomy or whether it's, uh, uh, there's like a lot of cosmetic grafting of fat um, beyond just like kind of reducing, reducing, you know, the amount of fat. And a lot of um, adipose tissue is just being thrown in the garbage. And so we are actually um, right now um, in the final phases of kind of launching a service where for people that are going to be, you know, having a liposuction, they're going to have the option, hey, do you want to bank what's in there instead? Um, we've tossed it in the garbage. And so that's going to be another way that they can at least bank, you know, they won't have their, their hemopoietic stem cells, they don't have their HSEs, but at least they'll bank their MSEs. Is, uh, is there any difference in the efficacy of um, adipose MFCs versus bone MFCs? It's a very good question. Um, from my own experience um, in the lab, once you're growing the cells for any extended period of time, the cells begin to reflect the culture conditions and um, they start to behave more and more similarly. Um, when you take them out of the body immediately, they kind of reflect the uh, tissue that they were pulled out of. So I often get asked by like orthopedics because they there's kind of a debate, hey, which MSCs, because they use MSCs for orthopedic applications. I often say, hey, what's better, bone marrow MSCs or fat MSCs? Um, you know, and I say, well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's, um, you know, it could be either or. I'm not sure um, whether or not, and there's actually, that's the other thing too, not all, like even, um, not all fat is equal and not all bone marrow is equal. Um, as you get older, some of your bone marrow starts turning fatty and some of it is still remains blood making. And so where you took it from matters. Um, and same with fat, like fat, there's, you know, you've got uh, yellow fat and you've got, you've got brown fat and they're not the same. So the MSCs within, within there might be, immediately might be different, but but what we found that is when you start growing the cells in culture for extended period of time, they start to kind of um, converge upon like a similar kind of, you know, um, you know, peanut fiber or, you know, I guess that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Very good. So what's the best way to, um, to find out more about the process and maybe sign up, et cetera. What, what kind of resources can we get to listeners? Yeah. So we're on foreverlabs.com and just go there and you can just click get started and, um, you can find a, a doc, but if you want, you know, um, to learn more, we have, a, you know, form you can fill out, ask any questions you want, and uh, or you can call us directly, and we've got awesome, like, you know, client liaisons, like, best people just will chat your, you know, all day long and tell you about, all about what we're doing and why and answer your questions. So, yeah, go to foreverless.com, and that's the best way to get started. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast, and uh, it's interesting. I mean, Thanks, we're going to be looking to you to see uh, what, what kind of therapies come from this. So. Thanks, Richard. I really appreciate it. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications, 
We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.